0: Hey tribe, welcome back to the Witty Chatterbot Show. If you're new to the show, a warm welcome. I'm Carmen Murray, your host. The Witty Chatterbot Show, women in tech, empowering everyone, aims to empower you by interviewing a wide range of remarkable and thought-provoking guests to discover as we navigate through the constant change around us. We will explore topics on business, technology, innovation, and give you bite-sized insights that can help you propel forward and embrace the entrepreneurial culture. Today, we have a hilariously funny guy in the studio. I'm so excited, John Flissmas. Welcome, John.
1: Hi, thanks for having me here.
0: I'm super excited. Uh, Thanks, Carmen. You are just so awesome, incredible, and very much thought-provoking. And um, I, I don't think you need any introduction Um, So I just need to do my traditional thing and hook you up with the audience. So for over 20 years, you have definitely walked the line between underground, alternative and mainstream comedy. And you are well known for being very outspoken and observational humor. So um, I think you have a real gift to be unapologetic, understand and comment on political, social and economic affairs. So thank you very much for for taking the time to to be here such
1: a pleasure thanks for having me
0: okay so today we're going to talk about brain dump on working a room right i think we need to learn some tricks of the trade from an expert so if i had to strip you from your title as a comedian who are you what's your story
1: um i think i'm just a curious human being from an illegally privileged background um you know um i have a lot of advantages because of my history and my context as a white south african mm. and i'd like to try and use that to through making people laugh make them think as well you know ultimately i think curiosity is an advantage mm. is, uh, are the two things that kind of maybe give me a bit of a head start
0: 100 no. so when was your first aha moment when you knew that this is what i'm supposed to do um
1: i think as a kid i found that humor broke down barriers but the high school I went to was very much WASP-inspired and, and yeah. driven, and so the, a lot of the values were around sport and meaningless structure that I didn't really relate to. So I found that humor was a good escape. Um, yeah. But as I get older, I think humor is my way of expressing curiosity.
0: I really like that because I think it's so important to be curious and to know so much. I mean, like just having a chat with you, you know so much about everything,
1: <laughs> which is
0: such a good thing. Because I don't know, ignorance is, is really um, damaging to yourself. So I, th- mm. I think curiosity really plays an important role. And I think that's your way of connecting with people.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and I think um, we come from a conservative background historically. And I think yeah. that's damaging. It limits education. 100%. I think um, prejudice is a, is a, is a limiter. Um, and it's taught to children from a young age. They use prejudice as their primary source of understanding. Um, you know what makes things different, what makes people different, and and I'm against that. I, I think it's rubbish. I think a lot of the main sort of authorities we grow up with, whether it's government, school, church, all wrong, mm. all based on fear. And um, and mm. I think you've got to. Perhaps I took a wrong route. I had a very excessive, uh, young adulthood. Um, and I uh, got into quite a lot of trouble. But,
0: uh, <laughs> I can imagine but that. I
1: certainly, uh, <laughs> I certainly go with Blake, who said that the, the, you know, the road of excess can lead to the palace of wisdom. And, and, uh, yeah. So, so I, I've broken down lots of taboos in my life by, probably by accident, but, um, with the hindsight, and I'm lucky to have survived all of that. Um, I think, um, I've become a, a more open-minded uh, adult. And, and mm. I think that was always the goal. Mm. Yeah.
0: And, you know, I remember the first time I saw you many years ago, hmm. um, it was in Kalani Mall. I saw you for the first time. It was probably like six, seven years. And I was like, oh, my God, he looks so scary. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was the first time I saw you. Yeah. And when I started, like, watching your, your movement and what you're up to, I was like, this is a very smart guy. <laughs> like, and this is what I love about you is, is that, you, you know, um, you speak your truth. Which I think is very important, yeah. and you know, you have a story to tell, and mm. I think some uh, everything initiates from some sort of rebellious side within you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think um, you know, when you you don't articulate things always very well when you're young, and you because mm. you you don't have the language of the world yet, mm. but uh, and also um, if you're against the sort of mainstream, generally you get written off, mm. and the mainstream is generally stupid. This is why wrestling is popular. Yes. And, and, um, <laughs> Uh, because you have earrings and strange hair, suddenly you, you're this kind of, you're this loser. Yeah. And, um, and, and, um, it's interesting. A lot of the people I grew up with at school, I was very much on the fringe. So the, the friends I made were kind of the outsiders. Ah. Uh. And, and, um, and, um, a lot of them have grown up to be quite successful. And the people who sort of in the first team rugby, first team cricket have followed the same path. They're just balding and spreading and, you know, gently self-loathing individuals who just toe the line. Mm. And and um, I find that so um, sad because they were encouraged to be worshipped as sort of uh. a prefect or a rugby captain. And ultimately that's meaningless. It really is. I'm only finding the value of real education later in life. So like now I'm studying at the age of 45. And I think it's the right time for me actually to be studying. I, I don't think I should have studied when I was 19 mm-hmm. or 18, you know, when I left school. So so yeah, so it's it's an interesting time.
0: You know, I love what you're saying cuz I, I mean, I also look when I look at my own personal life or when life is unkind to you. Mm. And you, you've had hardships or, or you've learned from a lot of failures. Outlook on life is not a sense of entitlement. It's like, I got to mm-hmm. work for what I want. Yeah. And I think that that's the most important thing in, to success is that, you know, you have to accept you, you, in your mind, no is always going to be the answer. Nobody's going to, you know, arrive on a white horse and save mm-hmm. you that kind of vibe. And I, I believe in that. So I, I t- oh, I love it. Okay. Yeah. So your antenna is always up. Mm-hmm. What are you tuned in at the moment?
1: Um, so at the moment, like as we spoke about off air, pretty much everything you've just you've said to me since we met, I'm fully like in love with all of those things. <laughs> Future fit and um, technology, you know, burning down old structures. Um, you know, we spoke briefly about linear television as a sort of one of the m- more current dinosaurs right now. I mean, mm. I've grown up in the comedy industry, mm. meeting with those people as a sort of a monolithic power. and um, and, and now watching them get sh- like shaken to their foundations. It's just more current to me than, let's say, talking about the usual examples of Uber or Kodak or, you know, these things get spoken about so much it's boring, mm. but, but I'm watching DSTV, a giant, just like, rumbling you know at its Mm. core and having to question itself after decades of Mm. like we are the only one like you do it our way there's no other way and so you know so that's very interesting disruption actually starting to like change my industry and in fact my own businesses yeah and there is a business i own that's probably going to have to either die or completely reshape itself yeah and, and, the, and the great thing is that I will kill it before someone else does. Mm. Yeah.
0: I love that. But, <laughs> but, you know, I read something somewhere. If you want to disrupt, you have to just, dis- if you can't disrupt your own industry, you have to disrupt somebody else's.
1: Yeah. And that's
0: what we're seeing happening. I mean, I'm not, I, I, I don't need to name um, the brands. We all know and we can see what's happening in front of us. And usually, like if you look at the horse carriage, the horse carriage was not um, disrupted Um, by, uh, you know, the horse carriage maker. It was like, you know, the Ford or whatever. So we need to understand that whoever is going to disrupt is not going to be our competitors.
1: Mm, Absolutely. But I want to take that even a step further. That's what makes me quite dangerous is I'll do it myself. Mm. Like, I'm totally not prepared to do the same thing for too long. Anyway, I've never done it. Like, I've always changed the way I look, the way I talk, the way I feel. Constant reinvention is so important and it's weird because it's been a way of life for me f- from the beginning. Mm. Whereas we are taught that you build this company and then you love this company and that is what you have. Now, is it, or mm. is it the experience you've built inside your own agility that mm. you build and your instincts as an entrepreneur so that you can go, I'm not attached to this company. Mm. It's nice to have a brand, but it's my brand is not my ability.
0: I love that.
1: You know, it's all elastic. It's all kind of breakable fixable reworkable rebuildable so so yeah so it's an interesting time
0: i, I love that because i was actually at one of um WACT's, uh, like-minded events and okay. um, there was a question asked in the audience about how to choose your company name and i was like you know what that's such a good question and this exactly speaks to your points. is when you choose a company name it needs to be a name that doesn't put you in a box sure. it's something that can evolve with you Absolutely. Um, because if you look at um you know i have this theory i believe in sim- simulate innovate elevate but don't copy mm-hmm. like take inspiration get it but then take it to a whole new level and break it down in particles and then build something out of it yeah and what we're seeing ha- happening around us is that you come up with an idea then somebody else copies it then mm-hmm. so you constantly have to innovate because if you don't then you then they're going to be a step ahead of of you because they are doing that to you so yeah. it's, it's it's crucial to to survive
1: yeah i know absolutely i mean uh, my production company with my partner b um we, we struggled to think of a name and, and eventually we settled on ogo, O-G-O.
0: I love that and the, and the
1: reason was we we wanted a name that could be a company it could be an app you know what is it what does it mean it doesn't have to mean anything it's just easy to say anyone can say it it looks so cute, you know, when it's written or drawn. So, and, and um, that was it, you know, it's exactly that. Like this thing of like the so-and-so company and then telling everyone what you do. It's just, I think you're right. Like if you're going to innovate, then you, you don't have to
0: It's know, not about the name. Down. Oh, no. absolutely. So, um, one of my friends actually mentioned to me that they had a privilege to hear you do a talk about, at a business event so we know you're on tv on yes. the social circle and you're very like controversial which is very cool and i think like when you look at, at corporates who are sometimes have a very clinical approach to mm-hmm. to their brands and to their cultures and so forth you actually are super creative and you are a disruptor mm-hmm. um when it comes to, to doing your talks at conferences so um conferences but also you know f- for for
1: organizations tell me a little bit more about that um, so i met um i met the man who's- Currently, the dean of um, Henley Business School a long time ago, um, and and uh, Prof. John Foster Pedley wasn't a professor then; he was a senior lecturer in strategy, and um, we got on. We just became friends, and um, I really loved John's. Um, he's one of the greatest teachers I've met in my life, and and um, he got me excited about learning again. And um, anyway. Uh, it started to evolve where John said to me one day, I want you to come to Cape Town to the business school and talk to my MBA students. And I was terrified. I said, what am I going to talk to them about? And he said, you'll think of something. And he gave me a reading list and he said, I'll get you um, a plane ticket. Just come down. And, and um, I started reading and, and engaging with him. And he's just a great, he's a great teacher. He just, he just, he fences with you and he, he challenges you and he lets you and he, you know, allows you to kind of, and I started this kind of talk uh, about empathy and, and, um, um, it's called the shared world. And, uh, and these MBA students would attack it and then we'd reshape it and then I would go back down. And over the years, I kind of built this thing up. And now there are several talks. Yeah. And, uh, and since then I've started studying at Henley and now I actually facilitate with some other, um, teachers, uh, on, on courses around empathy, political intelligence, self-disruption, um, and resonance versus dissonance. Um, I'm a big believer in dissonance as a, as a teacher, as Mm. opposed to resonance. In the corporate culture, we want diplomacy, which Mm. I think shuts down thinking. It's rubbish. Mm. It's no good for, for disruption. You Mm. need dissonance. You must learn from dissonance. Mm. You have to engage on a robust, you know, um, conflict-based model, Mm. which is respectful, but, and it has parameters. But I think you've got to learn to disagree in a healthy way, you know. Mm. Yeah.
0: Because I, I I totally agree with you. Because I think you know, um, there's a lot happening in the world at the moment, and and especially the matriarch era is arriving. Uh, masculinity is in and for females to have, be more masculine and have a male energy is cool. Yay. I'm fitting in for once in my life. No. <laughs> but, um, but, but, but I think that it's so important to become part of these conversations mm. and not to be on guard because you're trying to protect a brand because what, what people are, are looking for is that that brand that that doesn't talk at them but talks with them
1: sure you know yeah it's deep niche you know i mean everyone everyone is an individual and everyone wants to have a voice because they have now you know social media and yeah every individual is a is a recognizable uh, as a as a single entity
0: we recently um had an interview with john Sane, and we were also just mm, um having these john. yeah having these conversations and you know the the one thing is what's so important is that profit over purpose or purpose over profit. Which one do you choose? And, and if you look at Warren Buffett the other day, he announced, he said, hey, um, we need to stop chasing these quarterly targets. We need to start be driving change. And if we, tr- if we follow the targets we're not going to make the right decisions Mm. and I think it's important and paramount for organizations to have a long term view and look far into the future than just looking what's in front of them
1: yeah yeah. I mean it's easy for Warren Buffett to say one of the richest men in the world yes we're not chasing profits anymore okay Warren (laughs) and Certainly, if you go to any business school, uh, almost every module will kind of remind you that the point of business is value creation, um, yeah. um, um, and, and and often that's defined as a profit. But but I mean I I, I kind of get it, and I, and I would hope that the business world is developing a conscience, because certainly people with you know collared shirts and chinos have done more damage to this planet than certainly anybody with neck tattoos. So so yeah, I would agree. <laughs> um that if they're developing a conscience and they're not so psychopathic that would be great yeah you know?
0: exactly um as we were talking just now about we actually steered off but we were talking about the whole antenna thing and mm. what your antenna's up with and you know yeah. what you're in tune with but don't you notice around us like there's so much of an oppressive energy like negative it's like nuclear explosives
1: yeah what
0: do you think is causing this what is your view on it um
1: you know, simply, I, I, just think that there's a constraint on the economy. Um, we're feeling the damage of the theft that's occurred in the state capture. That's really my honest feeling is that mm. it's just a couple of things in a row that have caused this kind of thing. So, so, so on a political level, you've got the EFF and the land issue, which looms and, and, and that's a, it, Unintelligent the people who approach it unintelligently are panicking, um, and so that's the one level. Is that white people are nervous; they have to be. They're going to lose something that they've gained. Well, it's an illegal privilege, as I mentioned earlier. So, so that has to change, um, and and that will change regardless of what everyone thinks. Um, and that's just because we are animals and we are taught to survive. Yeah. So we have to acquire because acquisition is security. But, but and, and so that's causing some negativity. On the other hand, politicians are using the, these emotive issues, race land inequity to drive feeling and polarize people before the election because they're not going to win on political mm. merit so, so they're going to win by trying to damage the opposition so there's this we are being forced into a polarized situation mm. and I think we as people have to just step back and go there's an element of politics here there are some real conversations we have to have but, mm. but, but we're, being, we're being engineered into whether it's Bell Pottinger or the DA and the EFF it doesn't matter we're being played with And we're either going to be the toys or we're going to step back and go, let's just all man up here and woman up and let's just sort of sort this out. Mm. So there's that. So there's a bit of economic constraint because we've seen things like the VAT increase and we've seen things like fuel hikes and we've seen, you know, the RAND value a little bit unstable. And so so they're they're a combination of things. and, And what I find when you're feeling that negativity is try and Break it into its constituent parts and then Mm. deal with each of them. We have to live through the losses that have been made. Mm. I think the president's doing a pretty good job. He's raised 20 billion in the last little while already at the beginning of his fundraising trip. So he's on track to raise his hundred billion. He hasn't even got to China yet. So, so that's very good. Um, I I think we're just living through the consequences of our actions and our actions were not to get rid of Jacob Zuma earlier. Yeah. We allowed it too long because we all had a cappuccino. We didn't care enough. Mm. So, so I mean, I don't feel negative. I think we're living through the consequences of our actions and we have to get through them. Mm. Y- you know, in a business, when you're going through a crap time, you've got to trade through the badness mm. and, and um, or give up. Mm. You just can't give up being South African.
0: Oh, totally, totally yeah. proudly essay. So they say we we're now in the stage of African renewal where we as Africans are so proud of being Africa. We've seen APSA made made a Africanacity change. But also an interesting point, you you're talking about um, you know, politics and we should have made the decision sooner with um, you know, voting Zuma out, etc But a very interesting thing is is that there was a recent research done by Brand Essay, I think, mm-hmm. and they were talking about like the youngsters, like your generation Z, although I don't like to put People in boxes right. um, are not interested in politics. And yeah. isn't that going to take us even further down the line of disaster?
1: It may do. Um, you know, um, Linduwe Mazabuka is launching her apolitical academy where she'll be, um, you know, taking in young political candidates mm. and then schooling them, regardless of which party they want to go into. Um, so there are a group of youngsters who are interested in leadership. And, and I agree, I think um, on the whole, um, people who kind of. Um, you know, the, the, this new generation. My, my daughter really couldn't give a damn about mm. who's running the place. But I think that's an, a consequence of age. I think as you get older, you're more interested. As you get into a kind of, you know, um, your um, um, I'm trying to think of the of the phase. But anyhow, where you become concerned with legacy, generative phase, I think it's called in Erikson's cycles. Um, you concern yourself more with what we're leaving behind. Mm. So like my thing now at the age of 45 is, what work have we left undone? Sure. that we now hand to our children. One of them is race, one is land. So so these are things which this inequity that we're just passing on, we just want to get through it. Mm. If I can just hang on to my stuff until I'm not here, but that's not really a very responsible mm. approach. So I can be interested in future-proofing stuff and being future-fit, but uh, there are things we have to con- con- concern ourselves with
0: you are tuned in to the witty chatterbot show women in take empowering everyone and we are sitting here with the legendary john flissmas i am absolutely loving the vibe in the studio i am like hanging to his lips and just listening to everything he has to say the brains are like over over the top like are you from a different planet john
1: i often feel that i'm <laughs> like from somewhere else
0: okay listen okay so I want to ask you a question. I've always, I always wanted to ask a very famous person that really goes out and and talks on stage all the time. We in our careers um, do stand up. You know, whether we have to present to board members, our staff, stakeholders, or do a keynote at a conference.
1: Yeah.
0: Give us a brain dump on how to work a room.
1: Um, you've got to um, so. A lot of people make the mistake of thinking you've got to figure out who the people in the room are. So, I'll give you a big secret. It's not about that. It's about who you are. If you know yourself, there's a good chance you know those people. Being empathetic means being fully attuned to yourself, Mm -hmm. not to other people. Because we share a lot more in common than we share apart. And that's the basis of my shared world kind of theory. Is a comedian doesn't understand an audience. How can we? We've never met them before. I've never met 2000 people at the teatro I don't mm. know who they are but if I know myself I know vastly how those people are kind of feeling because I've I've put my ego in check and I understand that we share so many things in common that if I can read myself there's a good chance I can read the majority of the room
0: Interesting I love that and See, I think empathy is very important in everything that we do
1: Yeah if without empathy you can't have real intelligence I don't think Yeah because intimate knowledge of your current environment is what your intelligence is. And if you don't understand yourself, you've skipped a huge step. So, so you, you know, often I watch people trying to speak publicly. It's not that the audience doesn't like them. The audience just can't handle watching them wrestle with themselves. Hmm. It's awful to watch someone struggle with nerves and struggle with their own anxiety. Because then I understand that. so The audience's empathy is also affected. So, so get yourself in check. Understand yourself. That's the very first and that's the best thing to do as a speaker. Mm. You can feel where you're going in the room. If it's boring, you'll know it's boring. If it's, you know, if it's, if it's anxious, you'll know it's anxious. You, you don't need to understand the audience. Just understand yourself.
0: I love that. And also like, like for me personally, you know, speaking on the stage, I feel that when I'm authentic and when I really talk what I'm passionate about, mm. it comes across in a passionate way and it's, it's, it's received well. Yeah. But when you start, you know, talking about what, what, other people want to hear. It, yeah. it doesn't work out. Well, it never does. It.
1: You know, it's like if you're going to be controversial, but you're yeah. going to be uncertain of that, you can't say it because then the audience is like, what if you don't buy it? Why should we? Mm. You know, if you're going to say something controversial, you have to 100% commit. And, and, and often... Um, where that goes wrong is if someone doesn't believe what they're saying in other words they're just being controversial for the sake of being controversial then you shouldn't do it Mm. if you're being controversial because what you genuinely believe is controversial Mm. then you should say it
0: because you
1: you believe it and it's got to be said
0: love that how do you feel creativity and inspire innovation what do you do and what what is the secret in how somebody else can apply this in their own careers
1: That's a bit of a harder question. Um, It's an it's a big essay. It might take many years to answer that one. But I think um, I am. The first thing is that people misunderstand what creativity means. Mm. It's not something you acquire. It's just something you are. Mm. All human beings are creativity. Mm. Whether you believe you were made by some kind of divine being, intelligent designer, or whether you believe you were the result of billions of years of effort, it doesn't matter. It's it's really irrelevant. Those are screensavers. Um 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 what 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 really matters is that you understand that as a human mm just your consciousness is the apex of creativity it doesn't matter which system you believe created it but so much work has gone into creative work has gone into developing a mind that um you can't help but be part of creativity mm-hmm. so forget this thing about some people are creative some aren't that's nonsense some people have just unlearned creativity and it's been beaten or taught out of them mm-hmm. um all you have to do is reconnect mm-hmm. and and um and so i've had a very strange way of doing that you know i I thought I was because I was creative, I was kind of disruptive, not at all creativity is just something that I remembered as a defense mechanism. And, uh, and luckily, I connected with it really early in life. I'm lucky I've got parents who kind of, you know, encourage creativity. Um, All their lives, my parents have been entrepreneurs who worked for themselves. And so um, it's not about being arty, it's about surviving. I love that, mm.
0: and I, I also it bring it brings it back to what you were talking about earlier, and also about curiosity. You know, when you're curious, and I found that in my in my personal space is like I've never I've never actually knew until recently where I fit into this whole ecosystem mm-hmm. because I'm very different. I'm a bit wacky, um, right. but it, it it's very hard to find yourself of fitting in. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's okay not to fit in. But the the thing is, is the moment I started like investigating and, and seeing what's happening in the world around me, learning more about other people and, and the history. I hated history as a child because the teacher that taught us history was awful. He used to Twist everybody's ears and I couldn't watch my friends and everybody be hurt. You know, that yeah, old yeah, yeah. African school teacher, that, yeah. you know, that always used to slap them and whatever. And I couldn't stand that. And it was almost like every time I went into his classes, what I associated it with. Yeah, yeah. And I hated history. But then in my own way, I was like, you know what? If I want to understand change, I need to understand what's happened in the past and how we, how we navigate through this new, this new time. Yeah. And The moment I started doing that, it's like this hunger, this passion. I'm now on like four to six books uh, a week. Right. And it's just out of curiosity. And Mm. that leads to creativity, hands down.
1: Well, we've taught curiosity out of childrens. You know, if you look back, it doesn't, you know, whether you look at education system, whether you look at management theory, it doesn't matter. It all comes from. Engineering, mm. like it's all based on engineering. So, mm. so we treat young minds like um, we want efficiency out of the school system. So, but you're not Toyotas; they're children, and they've got this mm. like burgeoning minds. So, so where it's going now in places like Finland, I'm sure you know, the, the systems there are just so much more tuned to human development as opposed to you know taking um you know engineering systems and applying them to children. Uh, it's appalling. So this bending of ears and hitting—it's trying to conform things. A human mind is not a conforming thing it's it's right. it's it's just interesting you know this work i'm doing on, on brain dump is very much linked to my family because my dad once i started doing the research on the show my dad actually had a stroke and um and and i was really forced to learn lots about the mind and uh, watching him and working with him as he recovers um, and neuroplasticity is a reality and and your mind never loses the, it not just your sort of mental but your the mechanics of the brain never lose the ability to reconfigure itself Mm. the neural networks constantly find new ways if they hit a dead end Mm. and so that applies not only to moving your arms again or speaking again but reconfiguring the way you think it's entirely possible
0: i love that you know my mom uh two months three months ago had four strokes wow and um, sure. it's it's like watching this whole process, and it's it's it it, it gets to you. Mm-hmm. But then you see how the brain programs itself again. It's like a technology that's built within us. Will Smith refers to as our own God-given technology, right. where your brain regenerates itself. And my mom has managed to take her first few steps um, recently, wow. and we thought she would never be able to walk, walk again. again.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's
0: quite incredible. There's actually something I would highly recommend you also watch: is my stroke. Of Insight.
1: Um, I've got the book. Do I'm you have it. it now. Oh, yeah.
0: it is Jill amazing. Bolt. Yeah, yeah. <gasps>
1: Taylor, I think her name is. Yeah, yeah. It's an incredible book. It's a great book to read when you need it because you know and, I, and and i've been explaining these things to my dad as we as we go forward like these basically so it's, it doesn't actually regenerate because you, neurons die but but um the, but it re-, re roots the signal yeah. um through a new pathway um of the 64 billion neurons that are in your head on average um it finds a new way and it's incredible Incredible. Um, you know the fact that neurons are with you from the time you're born to the time you die which is why you know that you are yourself throughout your life mm. yeah
0: love it very interesting. Okay. So let's talk brain dump. Right. Show is happening at Monte Casino um, yep. until August. Tell us yes. what this is all about. And-
1: so it's a stand-up show, um, but it's got some research behind it. And I basically decided to research the human brain um, because my last show was all about racism and and, and the origin of racism. Um, and that was a very interesting show for me because I was forced to kind of confront quite a few um, uncomfortable truths about my own background and my own thinking. And, um, and, um, and i thought well this time i'll do something a bit more light and interesting so the brain is a pretty interesting and you know mad organ um um <laughs> and uh, and quite misunderstood so so i thought i would do that and then uh, my dad um 5 weeks ago had, had a stroke so so it became a more serious thing for me but at the same time it's kind of been therapeutic because mm. i get to go on stage every night and, and and talk about it in a way that's kind of light and humorous and mm. i've told dad some of the jokes he thinks they're quite funny so um we were very tight before this um um But it's amazing how you bond to a different level when when you've kind of trying to bring someone back, you know, from a state. Mm. So, but he's recovering well and, and, um, you know, the prognosis is good, but he's taking a little while to reboot and, and, uh, but we're getting there. So that's the show. It's, it's basically about the human brain and all of its oddities and all the nonsense that people talk about the brain Mm. at a bri as if it's all true and there's no (laughs) neuroscience whatsoever. In this popular nonsense that people talk, you know. It's so um, true. It's like, you know,
0: everybody tries to be an expert of everything. You can t- talk the most ridiculous crap yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it's rubbish about Yeah, like,
1: I totally agree. When you get tr- drunk, you kill brain cells. It's just not true. <laughs> it's not true. Um, we only use 10% of our brain. It's not true. You know, there's so many things about the brain that people just say as if they are some kind of expert. And you're not. Having a brain doesn't make you a neuroscientist. It's the dumbest thing ever.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm definitely booking tickets. Um, I think I'm totally going to relate to it. And I think there's a lot of people in my circle that also maybe we should make a group night out of it. Uh-huh. But um, I just want to say um, we have a little tradition. Right. And basically, you've got 60 seconds to answer 10 questions. Right. We've ma- I, I think Alfred managed to get 8 out of 10. Oh, you
1: see, now there's pressure. Now, now there's pressure. Alfred. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> okay. All right. On your marks, get set, Go. What is the weirdest thing you do apart from being funny?
1: Um, I, I paint strange human figures.
0: What is something everybody looks stupid doing?
1: Um, I think having sex. <laughs>
0: What's the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week?
1: Um, the most interesting thing I've read or seen this week is a chapter from Jill Ball Taylor's book about the human mind and how um, speech is separated from preparation to understanding.
0: Who are, th- who are one of the greatest living musicians?
1: Um, the band called The Kills.
0: If you could time travel, where would you
1: go? I would go into the future and see what's happening.
0: Who would play you in a movie in, of your
1: life? Um, I would like um, probably Louis C.K. Do you ever talk to yourself and what do you say? I do talk to myself all <laughs> the time, largely while I'm getting ready for a show. How weird.
0: <laughs> what personal trait has gotten you in the most trouble? Curiosity. Name of a product or service you love so much that you will happily be the company spokesperson? Oculus. If you had to leave Earth on spaceship and four friends with you, who would you take with you?
1: Elon Musk, uh, Bishop Tutu, and 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 who else? Uh, have I said Elon Musk? Yes, I have. Uh, probably I would. Oh, I'm try- uh, Tom Hardy and uh, and and uh, Ian Banks
0: boom well i'm gonna say you got a 10 out of 10 really yeah because wow. you know what four was a bit un- 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 unfair because there was four names to mention you managed to get through to the 10th question with two people answered. so i'm gonna give it to you highest score ever oh, well done see where curiosity gets you <laughs> <laughs> okay so i actually read somewhere that you're an excellent chef tell me is this true
1: well, you see, um, one of the things my parents did there, uh, in their lives was they had restaurants. I grew up in kitchens and, and my dad is a chef. Um, and, um, uh, that was his kind of life uh, thing apart from running businesses. But, so I love cooking and, and, um, but I don't do it, uh, like very, I just have a couple of friends who are very big foodie people and we, I cook for them. And then I like, love going to Durban and making my dad's food because, you mm. know, um, and while he gets better, I know what he likes. And, uh, so yeah, I do love cooking. I really do. It's become a bit of a cult though with TV. Yeah. Um, people now, everyone's a foodie. You know, I don't, I don't consider myself, I just grew up knowing great food and it's not fancy, by the way. Great food is not fancy. It's simple. It's simple mm-hmm. and it's brilliant and it's about great ingredients and it's about careful combination and good preparation. Um, and it has nothing to do with expensive ingredients at all.
0: Totally agree. Yeah. Well, listen. I would never be considered as a food porn person because right. I can I like tell that. you food porn,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I lost 30 kilos. So from wow, losing really? that, yeah, from losing that, wow, like, that's I'm trying, try- I'm also not a good cook. I burn food because I'm always busy with other stuff.
1: Because you're doing a million things at once. I know. That's okay. Like you can't, I, I, I th- we definitely from a similar planet. There's no doubt.
0: <laughs> awesome. John, thank you so much for being here and dumping your brain on us. Thank I you, loved Carmen. it. Um, you're a very interesting person. I'd like to have you back.
1: I would um, love to come back. This is a, this is a, all of these things we spoke about, these are so up my alley, man.
0: Oh, no. Really. F- we are going to have fun. I'm telling you now. We're continuing yeah. the conversation off air. You can also find all of the shows, including this one, on iTunes, um, Google Play, Stitcher, CastBox, by searching for Booyah by Carmen Murray. Now, don't forget to tune in next week. We've got some very exciting news to announce. Um, we're coming to an end, but some great new things are happening, and I would like to share it with you guys. Arrivederci. Ciao.